welcome back to the Pinstripe Podcast. Scotty, this is really weird. I'm looking at you in person. In person. So, uh, happy Turkey Day. Today yeah. is Thanksgiving that we are recording this. Scotty and I are in the same place at the same time. It's, it's a little weird, a little crazy, but this is what it's going to be like for the next like two months now, so... I think we figured out our technical issues from earlier in the show. I think we've got it all figured out. But hopefully. We'll hopefully, see. exactly. Um, we've got some general baseball news to run through here at first, and then we'll jump right into our team breakdown of the Tampa Bay Rays. So let's start off with some Yankee news. First of all, we um, are still contractless with still DJ. Waiting. Yep. Um, I'm getting more and more anxious as the days go by. Um, I've heard rumors of Luke Voigt's name again being thrown into trade rumors, and I'm just n- – I've heard no good news. I have not been happy with anything that I've heard surrounding Yankee trades. Uh, I don't know if you've heard any good news about any signings, trades, anything. No, I mean, it's always the same thing of words going around like, oh, sign Lindor, oh, this, that, other thing. People are always like, ah, they're going to trade for any team. They're like, ah, oh, they're going to trade this person. You're like, why would they, why would they trade them? There's yeah. no point for them trading him. Only person, I'm just going to say this now, is Aaron, is the Nolan Arenado trade because they're probably thinking of trading him because if they don't, then he's going to become a free agent. Exactly. They're going to get nothing out of him. But where he's going, nobody knows. There's no point where they're so, going. So Yankee News has just been a bit dry other than it was announced that the Yankees and the White Sox will be playing in the Field of Dreams, hopefully June 2021 which I think is exciting. I really like the like exhibition games. Like the London series was cool. I think this will be really cool. Um, I can say that I'm a bad baseball fan. I've never seen Field of Dreams. I've seen it once. <laughs> <laughs> um, and maybe I should watch it before uh, we go play there. But I think it. I think it's cool that they're doing that. Um, we only have one other piece of Yankee news, and it's not it even. News. It's not even news. <laughs> it's just funny. Uh, Glaber Torres was streaming the show and he hit Alex Bregman. He beamed him. It was just perfect. He just started laughing. He, he, he did it on purpose. He started laughing for, he took like two minutes out. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just got to let your anger out. Scotty read me a tweet earlier today. I'm thankful for baseball, except for the 2017 Houston Astros. It be like that. <laughs> um, so on to just some more, uh, general baseball news. Um, I'm saying this one simply to further my, if you don't know about my theory about how baseball players get better at baseball once they become dads, Bryce Harper just had another kid. Um, so I'm convinced he's going to become a better baseball player, um, because Mike Trout became better once he had a kid, Bryce Harper, as much as people hate him, he had a pretty solid year after he had his son crew. I don't even know what this one's name is. Brooklyn. Oh, so he gave this one a regular name. Closer to a regular name. And he gave the other one freaking crew. Um, (laughs) So heads up for that. If he does have a really great season next year, I think I'm going to bring my theory to some scientists and try to get like some money out of it. Um, Scotty, you wanted to go over the MLB best moments on Fox. Yeah. So MLB on Fox, when they tweeted out a bracket of the uh, top six or sorry, top eight uh, best moments from the 2020 season, and they got through the whole bracket. So I, I 
there's finally a, a winner, and so I'll just say that at the end. So just going through all eight, we have the Dodgers winning the World Series. They Also, these moments, variety of, of, yeah, of value. Yeah, seriousness. So yeah, number one, Dodgers winning the World Series, and then uh, Braves scoring 29 runs. Joe Kelly versus the Astros. Mike Rousseau's revenge. Brett Phillips walk-off. Alec Mills no-hitter. Uh, the San, uh, Slam Diego Padres, or when Tetis went and hit the Grand Slam on 3-0 count. Uh, and then Lucas Giolito's no-hitter. And so you really are mixing things up. You got It's like you have things of like severity, like, you know, no hitters, winning the World, World Series. And Joe like Kelly versus the Astros. Joe Kelly versus the Astros. Fernando Tatis Jr. against like the Texas Rangers organization. And so they went through the whole thing and ended up um, – so Braves, uh, so the, it was the Braves scoring twenty nine runs versus the uh, the winning the World Series. The Braves won that one. I love that. Joe Kelly versus the Astros. That one. That one. Joe Kelly versus the Astros got to the finals. What did they? What did they it went against Giolito's no hitter and okay. Giolito's no hitter ended up winning as the best moment. But I think that's that's so funny. Just the community <laughs> agreeing that that is the best moment, one of the best moments from the year. I do love that. I love that. Um. I think that Joe Kelly going against, like, I feel like nobody else would have been able to handle it the way that he did. Like, he just, I don't want to say he did it with grace. He did it with the absolute opposite of grace. But he did exactly what we were all feeling. He did it, and he just kept with it. He did not care the consequences. He did it in Joe Kelly's style, which is perfect. Um, And you know what? Now he has a ring. And now he's got a ring. Exactly. (laughs) Um, I think the biggest news of this week... um, is the Charlie Morton signing. So I have a few things about the Braves. So, right, the Braves just signed Charlie Morton to a one-year $15 million deal to be their number three starter. First of all, homeboys from our hometown, which is crazy. I didn't know that. I, I, Go I off knew Charlie it Morton. I didn't really, like, because the time that I knew it, he was, like, still, like, not an amazing pitcher. I was yeah. like, oh, okay, yeah, I've heard of him. That's pretty cool. Um, but the reason that this is – concerning and not even concerning like I think it's great because I mean I love the Braves um but they are now like really going after the Dodgers here and I think they have a really solid shot because Mike Soroka their ace who only threw three games last year and then burst his Achilles that was we watched that yeah it was it was so sad is already back on the mound and throwing faster than Luis Severino don't know what's going on there but so now they have Soroka, who was supposed to be their ace this year, got hurt. Max Freed, who, who, was who was their ace. So now they've got practically two aces. And Charlie Morton, who is not a soft three. Like, that's a hard one, two, three. Yeah. And that's a really solid rotation. I, I'm i really excited to see how it goes. And I hope that they win the NL next year because then the World Series could be the Yankees and the Braves, and then it's a win-win situation. Just kidding, I'd rather the Yankees win. Let me draw that but line. I was talking to you about this, and I was like, this is this is a deal that's like, I, I guess, I mean, it'd have to be what his situation was to, to end up going there, because, like, to go to the Braves, you're going to be a three. If you yeah. stayed at the Rays, you're going to be a three again. Like, he wasn't, like, going somewhere to be, like, this top this yeah. top pitcher on the team. And neither was it, like, oh, the Raves, or the Rays weren't winning. He went to the Braves to get a better shot of winning. They both have equal chances. Yeah, they're both strong teams. So when we were, you said to me, you were like, it's probably, the Rays probably just didn't give him enough of a deal for it. And that, I think that would probably be the 
the big reason. I mean, there's really, as I was saying, there's really not a ton that he's giving up on either side. Yeah, the Rays, I mean, we're going to obviously talk about them um, quickly or soon in the episode, but they're also talk of like being open to trading Snell. I'm just, I'm curious of what, what is, what's going on over there. Yeah. Are they really just going to hitch their wagon to glass now? Like that, that's an interesting move. But um, we'll get to the, we'll get to the Rays in a minute. I did want to say one thing. I I did not tell you about this. I'm sorry, but I just saw this and it really made me think. Um, So it was just a, it was a tweet about, about, it was a football tweet connected to the, to basketball, but I was like, you can connect this to baseball. So it was talking about Brandon Cooks. Scotty, those are two te- two sports we're going to talk well, about I was here. saying, Brandon Cooks and Eric Dickerson are tied for the most times traded in NFL history with three trades. And then Trevor Ariza was traded four times in a week. And so I just want to, like, that's like, that's kind of like, a, I feel like a bad way that sports are moving because you're, yeah. I think we kind of t- touched on this last week. You're kind of losing the rivalry because you don't know you're going to be playing at Yankees versus the Red Sox. Who knows next year you might be on the Yankees and then you might go, go and two trade weeks, to two the weeks Red later, Sox. You could be on the Red Sox and then two weeks later be on the Yankees. Yeah, you have, and like, I feel like kind of that idea of just being like, oh, like contract's over, trade. let's go somewhere else or something like that. Trades or just even like a contracting like that. Yeah. I feel like that kind of like loses some tension between teams. Yeah, I mean like, I don't know. I feel like, mid-season trades kind of do that more like if all of a sudden like I don't even know who I can but like one time right you're playing at the Red Sox the Red Sox the Red Sox and then they trade you and all of a sudden in the middle of the season you're a Yankee it's kind of weird both for players for fans like I was like especially in that situation like right you're you're you root against the Red Sox routinely and then all of a sudden someone who you've been rooting against is on your team it's it's a weird head game to play. I feel like I feel like you're kind of seeing it in the MLB. It's not as bad though yet. Like I feel like I mean we talk about the NBA. You're just seeing all these oh big names God. are just being like, oh, I want to go here. I want to be here. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here for three years. Then I'm just going to leave. Yeah, the NBA is completely run by players now, and it's annoying. Yeah, but I feel like kind of you're seeing it a bit, but it's not terrible. And I feel like yeah. it's kind of good and bad, but like we'll see how it all goes. Yeah, we'll see. Um. Just a few, two more things before we jump into the Rays. Um, one is just a rumor that I've seen is Houston being um, open to trading Carlos Correa before his contract ends at the end of 2021. Um, I don't know if they're trying to clean house and like get rid of everybody that was cheating. I don't know why you would get rid of Carlos Correa and George Springer because, I mean, listen, I don't like any of them, but at least the two of them produced after cheating. Like, Jose Altuve sucked after cheating, and they're not trying to get rid of him. Yeah. Maybe because they think anywhere he goes, he'd get beat up and shoved in the locker, but... but... Correa's not going to be any better. Correa had the same, I think. I mean, you saw... Correa's just obnoxious as a person. You saw it during the playoffs. He was like, ha-ha, yeah, we're still in this. You see, we beat the the freaking twins. They can't win a playoff game. (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's interesting. Um, I'm wondering what their thought process is we'll see if it even happens of course like these are just they're just saying they're open to trade same situation with snell they're not saying they're actively trying to trade him it was just a rumor that they're open to it now for our weekly bauer update scotty can you run us through this beef with yasiel puig so it started off with some beef between yasiel puig and it just kind of evolved from that so um a few days a few days ago um Yasiel Puig signed with um, Rachel Luba, who is also 
We love women in sports. And she is also uh, Trevor Bauer's agent. Yes. And so Watch Momentum did an interview between the between Luba and uh, and Puig, and they simply asked who throws for, further between Bauer and Puig. They showed the clip of Puig going and throwing somebody out third from right. Yeah. And then of course they showed Bauer launching one four fifty dead field. center. Beautifully done. <laughs> His form impeccable. So uh, then uh, Watch Momentum then kind of like replied to it and asked, "Hey, we want to see this in reality." And so Luba retweets and uh, he. She comments, everything kind of gets it more out there. And Bowers said his first bet between them, he was full, fully on board. He said that uh, if, sorry, I'm trying to make it. Um, he said if Puig throws further, so if Puig wins, then um, Bauer will have to wear a shirt that says Puig throws further. But if, Puig, if Bauer wins, Puig has to wear the send it shirt that he wore in Kansas City after his game, yeah. which is um, just him going and throwing his, his throw. Um, Puig then went, retweeted, replied, and said um, he wanted to up it and said that if he wins, he gets to choose Bauer's hair color. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and since Puig is big into that, I mean, he's changed it to red when he, I mean, traded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And then Bauer went up again and said that it, if he's going to go and get his hair colored, he needs to up it and it needs to be accurate too because he said that throwing far doesn't matter if you can't hit your target. So he's still fully on board. And then, it's better, Jackie Bradley Jr. I hate that man. Said he wanted in. No. Bauer accepted. Fu- no, he can't come into fun things. You can't bring him into fun things. And so... um. I honestly don't know. I don't know of this company, but they, they were, they're verified and they're Tango Tiger. They said they did an analysis between um, Bauer and Jackie Bradley Jr. And they said that Bauer has uh, a better chance of being one to two miles an hour faster, but they expect that uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. will get a better throwing angle. So Bauer went, you know, his thing. He's doing his thing. He said that he can hit 100, uh, 105.6 on running guns. So it's just full dead sprint and throw as hard as you can. Um, and then he also went and compared to Hicks. I don't think that he wants Hicks involved, but he was kind of saying that that was the stat that Hicks yeah. has thrown the, uh, the hardest ball. And so basically this has then evolved from Puig and Bauer to Jackie Bradley Jr. and Bauer. They just ignored Puig and they have thrown him aside. <laughs> and so, you know, that's a, it's another Bauer thing coming up. I mean, we saw him go and do the Wiffle Ball League earlier this year, and then he's going to go and try to get a throwing contest against some people. So, I mean, we'll see how it all goes. It's just so, Bauer being Bauer. We have no update of where he's at. Oh, no clue. He has not said a thing. <laughs> but he's just oh so active in the community. And... Just fun to keep up with. Um, I was about to say something, and I don't know what I was going to say. Oh, um, Yasiel Puig um, is a talent that should be back in baseball. And This year, like, it was weird. He didn't get signed, and then I think someone signed him, but then he decided not to play because of COVID, and then, like, they ended his contract. I think he's – I think defensively, like, his arm is insane. And I think that he is someone that – should be in baseball he's a fun personality to have in baseball a little weird a little like coked out but like he was really in the good. best way he was really good when he first came into the league when he first he had like that two years of explosion yeah. with the dodgers if i'm correct and then he kind of started to calm down a bit when he started getting kind of tossed around different teams but i mean he's still 
a solid player. I mean, you can't get that way. He is very wild. He licks his bats, so I mean. It be like that. It be like that. Um, but let's hop into the Rays before we get into any of their stats. They were a bit of a headliner this week because of the Arosa Ring. Oh, I just stuttered through his name. <laughs> they were a bit of a headliner this week because of the Arosa Reina drama. So in case anybody did not see Randy Rosarena, their playoff golden boy, um, was arrested in Mexico for, it was, there were a lot of things flying around. It was either domestic violence, domestic battery, child abuse. I don't even know. There were a lot of things involved. There was like his child, his baby mama, the baby mama's husband, and Rosarena. So, he was in Mexico, so the MLB could not step in. But this morning, Thanksgiving morning, um, it was announced that no charges would be pressed. Um, I mean, I've talked about this a hundred times. I hate that. I think that that's wrong. But it, that is also—it's up to the person who called the yeah, police on him to make that, the call. That really means. I mean, as you said, you don't, we don't really even know what it is, yeah. so we really don't know the severity. And I feel like that kind of makes it seem like it's not as bad as people would think if you're not pressing charges yeah i mean especially i'm just saying especially in somebody like with that with money like that like i feel like it'd be something but i mean of course only the people involved really know the whole story of what it was not like a, this is not a Sabathia situation. <laughs> this is literally the entire organization watched domingo herman slap his girlfriend Ugh annoying and people really are on twitter like hermans are in great in winter league i don't i've seen a lot pro herman and i'm like they don't even they don't even need it's not even like he's like listen did we talk about our literally last week about the youth in our rotation yes but i mean i don't we also have the like we have such a a young rotation now because we don't have a severino or tanaka oh wait severino i think wasn't it severino was but in like the tanaka graphic, was not in there yeah. so like we have something like that like that changes everything i feel like we we have too much opportunity to so- maybe sign someone in the offseason sign tanaka like we have too many i think there are better options than re-signing a problematic and young herman but and i feel like problematic is the biggest word and I feel like that's the yeah. best that's the biggest thing I feel like the Yankees mostly try to avoid as a team is they're trying to be this this team that just is very good at baseball yeah. and you don't you don't hear much about the people on the team exactly exactly but let's jump into the Tampa Bay Rays this one was it was a time because I know we all were very frustrated by the Tampa Bay Rays this year they really did torment the Yankees but Let's dive into what made this team so strong. They went 40 and 20 in the regular season, which obviously led them to first place in the American League East. And we all know that they eventually went on to lose to the Dodgers in the World Series, four games to two. Lots of questionable decisions happened in that series, but we talked about that. You can go listen to that episode, I believe, 20, um, breaking down the whole World Series and maybe what went wrong for the Rays. But their manager is Kevin Cash, who won Manager of the Year. They are a very, very, very analytical team. They run everything by the numbers. It is nerdy baseball down there. It Um, works, though. (laughs) But obviously it works. They've had a lot of success. Um, 
they play at Tropicana Field, which I just, I've said this to some of my friends and they questioned if I'm actually a baseball fan. I would love to see a game at the Trop. I don't know why. Because it's good. I just want to be able to say that I went to that shithole. Like, it just seems like, I don't know. It seems otherworldly. I'm going to jump into their lineup right now. This team has so much depth, right? So I go through everyone on the field, their DH and their 10th man. And then I have like four people that are on the bench that are names that were heard all season, but they're not even like first guy off the, like their depth is just ridiculous. But let's jump right in. Behind the dish is Michael Perez, a 27-year-old who played in 38 games this year, swung a 167, 237, and two. 38 over at first base is our guy not gonna lie I love this man he just seems so jolly all the time G-Man Choi he is he is the most flexible big man he really is (laughs) I did not understand half the catches he made over the postseason yeah he's just so jolly he's 29 years old 42 games this year in the regular season he swung 230 331 and 410 but one thing that I want to highlight is his batting average against Garrett Cole. Just a stat. Because, oh my, in 21 plate appearances against Cole, he has nine hits, three home runs, and a batting average of 529, and his on-base percentage was 185. He, like, so I read an article about it because, I mean, everybody knew that. There is something about Garrett Cole and G-Man Choi who, it just, it's just unbalanced. The separation between G-Man Choi's average and like this person's second against Garrett Cole was like I think 200. Like the next person was like, oh well, I'm hitting 375 against Garrett Cole, and Choi's just like ha 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 in 529. Um, it's just it's crazy how stuff like that works. Choi, for being who he is, is such a good batter. Like I I want to see like his spread of just like like strikeouts to like anything like that because he's so disciplined at the yeah. plate and it's it's really is so amazing for how well he hits and how much he doesn't swing the bat yeah. on anything outside anything close to outside of the zone mm-hmm. he knows not to hit it and it it's really great to watch <laughs> yeah like listen the Rays as an organization are very easy to sometimes dislike just because they are now like I thought you were going to just, just, well, well, I thought you were yeah, going to start insulting the bitch. But like Blake Snell is, is him. And then Pete Fairbanks, I saw a comment from him about how the Yankees look at them. Like they're like, uh, like because they have a smaller budget. I don't remember the words that he used. Like, yeah, I think that the rivalry between the Rays and the Yankees is significantly more exciting. This year, especially. This year, especially. Exactly. Than the Red Sox and the Yankees. But like, their players are like likable, which I hate. Like at least like hating the Red Sox is easy because their players I hate as people. I say that like I like know <laughs> JD Martinez personally. <laughs> but anyway, um let's keep moving. Um second base is Brandon Lowe for them. He is twenty five years old, played in fifty six games. Slash of 269, 362, and 554. He really offensively did so much for them. He led the team with 52 hits, 
14 home runs, and also had 36 runs scored. This guy just produced. Their shortstop is Willie Adamez. I really like Adamez. I think that he's got, like, this really, like, fun energy to him. I don't know. But he was, like, also so clutch for them defensively. I mean, you can go into his offensive spreads. I don't think they were anything really amazing, but defensively he was so sound and he helped them out so much during the playoffs exactly like yeah i mean offensively he's an average guy he's 24 years old played 54 games with a 259 332 and 481 but yeah it's definitely his defense that i like him the best for because i mean i've talked about it in previous episodes of like glaber had a tough year and i said like i wish we had a shortstop like adamas just because on the field, he's great. In the clubhouse, he's great. Like, he's just like a little, da, 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 da. he reminds me of a chihuahua for some reason. Like, not in a bad way, like in a good way. I've never really used I've never the really... adjective of chihuahua. I know it's not an adjective, but. And most of the time. Normally, it's in a negative yeah. sense. <laughs> but, like, he reminds me of, like, a, I don't know, like the Taco Bell chihuahua, you know? Sure. Do you not know the Taco Bell I know Bell the Chihuahua? Taco Bell show Chihuahua, but I'm trying to think about you. I don't know why. I don't know why. There's just like a good energy to him. I don't know. Anyway, moving on. Over on the hot corner is Yandy Diaz, who's 28 years old, 34 games. Swung at 307, 428, and 386. Left field is 25-year-old Austin Meadows, who appeared in 36 games, 205, 296, 371. Beautiful Kevin Kiermeyer plays center field. <laughs> He's 30 years old, played in 49 games, 217, 321, 362. Honestly, like before this year, he was one of the only Rays that I could like name. No, yeah. And I'd be and like, that yeah, was, that, that guy's on the Rays. I think he was on the, I think he was on, wasn't he on the Blue Jays before? I don't know. I'm trying to think of. No, you're thinking of Tommy. F- no. No, I'm thinking of the Blue Jays center fielder who was really good. They named him Superman, and then he left, and then he came back, and they had a whole thing for him. I, I don't no remember idea. who that was. That's helpful. I think it's Kiermaier. Okay. Um, right field is Hunter Renfro, who is 28 years old, played in 42 games, did not swing well. Walmart Mike Trout. <laughs> <laughs> he swung a 156, 252, and a 393. This is the only name that I didn't, I could not put a face to. Their DH is Yoshi Satugo, right? 28 years old, but he played in 51 games. So I definitely saw him. But I just like cannot think of a guy. I feel like I would have definitely remembered oh, someone no, named Yoshi. I'm completely incorrect. I'm thinking of somebody else. I just looked up Kiermaier. Oh, your Kiermaier thing is been, it's yeah. Been he's the just race. been a red. He's been just a red. I didn't want to like tell you that and break your heart. I don't but, know who who I'm thinking about that. I'm. But I'm, I'm just confused how Mr. Yoshi played in 51 games, and I cannot for the life of you tell you what he looks I like. I couldn't. Yeah, no, I couldn't. Anyway. But I think that also kind of shows how. Like, especially during the playoffs, their big thing was their defense. Yeah. And a Rosarina. Yes. That was their only two big names. Um, <laughs> I don't know how this guy managed to play the DH spot for 51 games because he swung a 197, Ooh. a 314, and a 395. So I'm a little confused because he got himself in the lineup 51 times. But I don't know. much. <laughs> His um The 10th man technically listed is infielder Joey Wendell. He's 30 years old, played in 50 games, and swung a 286, 342, and 435. So the way that I normally do this is I use baseball reference, which is literally the Bible of baseball. Um, And 
the way that go I want to ask this: How many of them that you named had over forty games? Um, everyone but two. Okay, I must say I, I thought I had a lot of thirties. The oh, three. Michael Perez only played thirty-eight. Yandy Diaz played thirty-four, and Austin Meadows played. So 36. out of a sixty-game season, they played just over half. That's how that, that and I'm just saying yeah. that's how deep their yeah. lineup and, is. And it wasn't in like a bad way. <laughs> yeah. Like they, they could have done it, but they were like, oh, we have these other guys too. But um but what I was saying is the way that I um find my information is baseball reference and then the list, like I guess from like the beginning of the year they come out with like their starters or like their planned starters, yeah. right? So there's like the hard nine and then there's like a break and then there's their bench. And normally the only name I recognize on the bench historically has been like number one like their first guy off the bench or maybe their second the Rays right so there's Joey Wendell Manuel Margo Mike Brousseau Mike Zunino Randy Rosarena like it just kept going like there there were few names like down at the bottom like players that only played like five games six games whatever but like the first four each played about 42 games and I was just like, how how many games did you guys play? We only played 60. And we could only have nine guys on the field and one extra guy hitting. It was it, – it's crazy. The, the organization is a lot of depth. And unfortunately, as Scotty's about to dive into, a lot of good pitching. And if they get Trevor Bauer, I'm going to throw my – I don't know if – I don't think he'd go. I think I – think, The thing is, would I be mad that he signed there? Yes. Would I be proud of myself for actually predicting something right for the first time ever? Yes. I feel like if they would, as you said, it'd be a – they'd have to get rid of Blake Snell. I feel like a big thing with Trevor Bauer is he wants to be a big name wherever he goes. He wants yeah. to be one of those top pitchers wherever he goes. I mean, he saw it with, with the Reds. We'll get there when we get there. And if we get there, I mean, we'll see when we get there. All right, so starting with the pitching, just as a team, they were so high in numbers, like like low in numbers in the way of rating, like really high up. Yeah, they were yeah. very good they were, numbers they were, in the NL. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so in the AL, they're rated all in the AL. They were second in ERA with the 3.56 as a team, yeah. first in saves with 23, third in earned runs with 209, and then they were second in strikeouts with 552. Also, fun fact, now that Morton is gone, they just got rid of Morton, yeah. they have nobody in their top 10 pitchers who's over the age of 30. That's crazy. They are all young pitchers. That's wild. And that, is, that was like really interesting to me. And I was like, wow, that's like actually pretty cool. And so another thing I wanted to do, my plan was to get stats on the opener. It's not the, a real stat. They're the only ones that successfully do it. Yeah. Because, oh, remember when the Yankees tried it? And they were like, let's put Debbie Garcia out there. And then, whoa, it's J.A. Happ. And it's just like, bro, nobody is thrown off by that. Yeah. Sorry. So I couldn't really get many stats. Like, I wanted to see what they do with that. But no website. I could find no stats on the, the opener as a whole. Yeah. But just what I found out is that they had five different people who are not starters used as starters. So they have they don't just have an opener, they have a very wide variety of their opener. You have no idea who you're going against. And so you know that's that's just an amazing thing. They kind thing of like yeah. yeah, they've like break in break in, that's not a word. <laughs> they've like broken the mold of like starting pitcher, 
middle reliever yeah. closer. They're just like, oh, do you are you throwing good strikes today? Okay, we're gonna throw you out there for two innings and then maybe throw someone else out there. We'll see. So starting off, your favorite guy. He's, He's just attractive. attractive. Wrong one. Oh, oh just, just kidding. <laughs> I was saying that sarcastically. He's not attractive. Blake Snell looks like he needs Benadryl all the time. Blake Snell, twenty-seven year old. Oh god, I thought you were really talking I'm... about my favorite Ray. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. <laughs> I do not think Blake Snell is attractive. <laughs> You're not here to sarcasm enough, okay? You looked very so serious. He's a free agent in 2024. That's just a thing to note. Um, he had a 3.24 ERA with 50 innings, 18 earned runs, through 10 with 10 home runs. So 10 of the 18 were home runs. Well, it could have been 18 of 18, Scotty. Gotta stop assuming that they're all solo home runs. <laughs> At least. <laughs> At least 10 of them. Um, with 18 walks on the year, which is insane. And then his strikeout to walk was 3.5. So he has 3.5 strikeouts per walk. He goes through an inning and a half before he gets a walk. Okay, so I don't know if you found this out. He was on like a short leash this year. And for what? I could not find anything i, don't I mean, mean I, like the most obvious time that you saw it was obviously the last game of the world series but like we saw it in all of the series with the yankees like i don't think he threw over 70 pitches in an outing ever and i don't know if i, I genuinely don't know like i may sound like an idiot right now like if he's coming off of an injury or if that's just like analytically they find that he throws better if he doesn't throw more pitches but i mean listening to his numbers like only 18 walks you can't put him out there for eight like I don't even care don't even give him 100 pitches 80 pitches 90 pitches like why why keep him so tight yeah I mean I I I just I literally just looked it up I could not find much on anything it's just it's honestly just articles just bashing them for taking him out in game six that's that's (laughs) making that's making me think that it might be more analytical if you guys happen to know um yeah, because you tweet me at Leximanchek. Please let a girl know. <laughs> a big thing that the Rays did, their whole theory of pitching this year was nobody is going to see the pitcher the third time around the lineup. Yes. They took him out after two. So I mean, I guess so if you're playing, you're not gonna hit ninety pitches if you if you go through twenty if, really quickly. If you quickly. just strike <laughs> you everybody out, I guess you're not. Maybe maybe that's it. You go through it quick enough. I mean, I mean that was the big bash on him during Game Six. Is they're like, hey, he was. I think that's the only time that I liked Blake Snell was when he got pulled and he was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" And I was like, "Yeah, you should be mad," but. Yeah, I hate that guy. He just looked – I just want to hit him. I just want to slap him in the face. But, like, we've talked about it. His personality seems so nice. But I'm just like, God, I just want to slap you in the face. Could you imagine if – I'm not even going to say it out loud. I'm, but you know what I was going to say, and I'm not going to say it. But could you imagine? Actually, I'm going to say it. Could you imagine if the Yankees got him? <laughs> That would be the most immature dugout thing between oh him and God. Judge. They I just was going to say, could you have, like, the two of them, the two of them have, like, this weird frenemies dynamic, but could you imagine they're both just fucking in their little pinstripes, and they're like, hey, buddy, oh, my God. Oh, and then, like, BP against, like, right? Like, you know how Stanton, like, Stanton whacked Tanaka in the head this year? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I could not. 
like I'd hate it because I hate Blake Snell, but also like once I got over that, I do think it'd be a little funny. Um, Sorry. Now, actually, the actual fave guy. Yes. Uh, the guy who looks like a Disney prince. Yeah. Tyler Glass now. The steal of the Chris Archer trade. Also 27 years old. So he's a free agent in 2024 with arbitration in 2021. Can I ask a weird question? Go ahead. How tall is he? God, you're asking. I didn't go that much deep. I'll go just go and. But he's. I, I just feel like that's a big part of his game. The man is massive. He's like. To me, he's. 6'8. Like, he's like Chris Sale stretch. But like actually like rah six eight two twenty five. Wow, that's a man. That is that is a big sorry. guy. Sorry, that is a sorry, big sorry. guy. He's he's not a big guy. <laughs> that's so, a huge bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, as I said again, he's a free agent in twenty twenty four. Sins Blake Snell. Yeah. So that's gonna be a lot of pressure when yeah. it comes up there. Um, on the season, he was five and one with a four point oh eight ERA. So big numbers there. He had eleven games. Um, which was about his average these last few years, and it's a sixty game. It was a sixty game season, and he had the same amount of. That's weird. He had the same amount of games as he has it, in it, the past. Eleven, I feel like makes sense for a sixty game season, but for a hundred and sixty two game season, weird. Um, so I compared him a lot to his last year stats. Yep. He had ninety one Ks, fifteen more than last year. He had he gave up eleven home runs as well. Which was seven more than last year. So that was, that was actually you know really really good season last year on home runs. But uh, again, that's that's a really weird thing on both sides. Yeah. You have more Ks and more home runs. I mean, maybe he's just throwing. I mean, we we talked about it a little bit yeah. earlier this week. I think he we were saying that he probably added velocity and he definitely threw his breaking ball and curveball. Either I don't know which one he has. Curveball, right? He threw that better. So that probably led to more strikeouts, yeah. but his increased velocity definitely led to harder contact, which probably yeah, led, that, leads mean, to more home that's, runs. That's the big thing with Cole too. Yeah, Everybody's it's like, just, oh my god, Cole's giving up so many home exactly. runs. Exactly, yeah, but shocking. he's also striking out everybody else in it, the lineup. It's <laughs> shocking because home runs catch your attention significantly more than strikeouts, unless they're on the road to a no hitter perfect game. Nobody really pays attention to strikeouts mid game. Yeah. Like in the sixth inning, nobody cares that you struck out the side. But in the sixth inning, if you give up a home run or two home runs, people care. So he had 26 earned runs with a 4.14 strikeout-to-walk ratio. That's a very large ratio. That is huge. And, I mean, as we said, a lot of strikeouts on the year, 91. I mean, again, good breaking ball. That curveball was filthy. Disgusting. Always Fish filthy. Cost and he was able to hit such high velocity. I think I don't remember if it was mid game or if it was like one of his last pitches. He hit a hundred and one. I think that was against the Yankees. Probably. And like that's just insane for a starting pitcher to yeah. do. Like you're not expecting that going in there. You're you're a batter. You're like just like kind of getting warmed up. You're like, you're right. I'm ready for the game. One oh one. Good morning. <laughs> You are not ready for that. And no, it, yeah, so it made him such an amazing pitcher this year for them is that mix of that sweeping curveball and that bullet of a fastball. It's it's crazy. So those are the two starters. I, I mean, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Um, dad just put Our dad put a thought in my head earlier this week because he's like, I know how much you like Tyler Glass now. I don't like him. I just think he's attractive. Let me be <laughs> a human. Everybody else. <laughs> Let me be a human. My God. Um, 
But he was saying something about how he doesn't know about his potential as a starter because he really only has fastball, curveball. Yeah. Right? Does he need to pick up a third pitch to really elevate his game? You know, maybe yeah. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's pick up a slider, pick up a changeup, maybe. I don't know. But like, is that something he needs to look I to feel, add to him as a starting pitcher, that's that is probably one of the biggest things. The only I feel the like only he needs times, an off speed. Yes, yeah. the only times that like a pitcher can ever like a starting pitcher can get away with like two pitches uh-huh. is if you're a knuckleballer. Yeah, and that's that's gonna be it. There's no other there's no other way because Eric Kratz knuckleballer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but like that's the big thing, and I feel like it may not be as much of an issue with the Rays because they're so analytical. Yeah, that like the big thing with you're only having two pitches is you go and you see the guys supposedly three times they're going to eventually start they're going to start hopping mm-hmm. on your pitches but I mean I feel like with the Rays with their whole thing of you're not seeing the same guy the third time yeah it might not be as true, big true true if if he stays with the club it might be able to work out if yeah. he goes anywhere else he needs a third he one, needs yeah. a third he needs a third one because right as you start seeing a lineup the third time they're going to start jumping on your yeah. stuff especially if there's only a fastball and a curveball a hundred percent. All right. Last You're going to do a closer. I, got, I normally do a closer. I just did a reliever because this is the Rays. They like yeah. to toss around who's relieving, who's closing. Diego Castillo. I was wondering if you're going to go with him or Fairbanks. I went with Castillo. And I, I, he was so great during the postseason. He's electric. Them. He's 26. As I said, top 10 pitchers. Nobody's over, over 30. Yeah. He is. It, it's doing so well for them. He has an arbitration in 2022, and he's a free agent in 2025. So a year after Snell and Glass now. So, I mean, they're getting nothing too soon, but they're going to have yeah, a rough yeah. future coming but up. But they definitely have something to look look out for. So he went 3-0 through 22 games. So, I mean, because he's, you know, closer. Yeah, it, it's all weird. how Four saves only, 11 walks through 23 strikeouts. He had a 2.09 strikeout to walk with a 1.66 ERA. So, like, he had, like, weird numbers. I mean, four saves, really not a ton through 22 games. But, I mean, it's not really a save if you go and you help him win. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't count as a save there. Um, but, like, he kind of, like, straight up, if you don't look at the ERA, they're not really amazing numbers. Mm-hmm. 23 strikeouts is pretty good. But, like, that's a strikeout a game. Yeah, because yeah, then that, with the 11 walks, you're like, oh, like, how? It's, it's like, really, he his stats are nothing amazing, but he helped this team so much. As I said, 3-0, that's great. 1.66 ERA, that is yeah. insane. I mean, he didn't do directly a ton on stat-wise mm-hmm. for the Rays, but as a pitcher, he did so well. He was throwing hard. He was throwing well. Put him in good situations to win games. And he's just... He just has the, the, the drive and that emotion to help exactly. them Exactly. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows that the Rays really are. And I have one of my prospects down here is set up. at it, Like being a part of the Rays organization is probably the best thing to come to him because they just know how to handle pitchers sometimes. I mean, last year people didn't love them for burning people out and then trading them before the deadline. Like, that was kind of shitty. That was (laughs) terrible. Don't do that. That was terrible of you. But, I mean, they're just – it's crazy. You did – you said Fairbanks if I wanted to look at him. I just decided to go and look at at, um, Baseball Reference again, and I looked at their actual closer, Nick Anderson. Uh Uh-huh. Take a guess on his ERA. Is it sub one? It is sub one. 
it he is through 19 games he has a point five five oh, ERA. I hate you, Nick Anderson. So it's through sixteen innings, so he doesn't have as much as as all the other mm-hmm. relievers, relievers. But I mean, if you're nineteen games and you have sixteen full innings pitched, yeah, that's almost a bit under a whole a whole inning. But I mean, uh, he had twenty six strikeouts, twenty six strikeouts through sixteen innings. I hate that. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. Those those stats are so so good six saves and nine games finished so out of nine games he saved six of them and technically and lost one of them that's crazy so he helped them so much as a closer and i mean that's not somebody as we said i mean that's not a big name on their team no but i mean it's so good for them yeah i mean they just have like all these little pieces that really do work for them and i mean we saw it this year and I don't think it's going away anytime soon. Like, they are a top contender in the American League East. Obviously, they went all the way to the World Series. This is the team that we have to figure out how to beat. Yes. I don't know how we're going to do that. But we need to figure it that. Like, I don't get paid the big bucks to figure out what we need to do to beat this team. We need to be able to hit their pitchers. That's really We need really to be able it. to hit their pitchers, and we need to be able to actually have hitters who face them. Like, I said that during the season. I said that the issue that we had against the Rays is that the Rays were going and seeing the same four pitchers every time we played them. But when we, as the Yankees, played them, we didn't have the same batters facing their pitchers. So, I mean, every time, Snell was something new. Glass now was something new. We didn't know what we were actually going against, and so you're not seeing the same pitcher five times in a year. It it was definitely frustrating seeing them so many times this year and us always looking like we were chickens with our heads cut off. Yeah. It, was, it was tough. But, I mean, I feel like also at that point you got to be like hey that's also cuz their pitching is insane yeah. but i mean i feel like again you're going against this team so many times you should start eventually we got to win one got to get something down um let's hop into their prospects we're going to start off with 19-year-old shortstop Wander Franco he was the gem of the 2017-18 international class he signed for a little over 3.8 million dollars no big deal. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> he earned the Rookie Appalachian League MVP award at 17 <laughs> with a slash of 351, 418, and 587. The next year, he's moved up to Class A. So as an 18-year-old, he posted a 327, 398, and 487, and he was an average of four years younger than everybody he played against. I can't imagine that. Like, I mean, just imagine going and being like, you're like 28, let's say, and you're like working your ass off. And here's off. some peachy little 18-year-old. 18-year-old kicks your butt. <laughs> yeah, disgusting. So that year he was selected for the All-Star game and the Futures game, obviously. At 18, he was named the Rays Minor League Player of the Year. At 18. 18. How does that not go to your head, At first 18, of all? but you are beating people who have been there for years. Yeah, yeah. so he is a switch hitter with – they like really highlighted the strength of his wrists. It was an odd thing. They were like, "He's got, he's got strong wrists. He's got wicked strong wrists." And I was like, "Cool, cool, cool." <laughs> um, lightning fast bat speed and his bat to ball contact contact is off the charts. He only has a four point three percent swing and miss rate. Like he does not, Jesus. he does not Jesus. miss the ball. Um, the only place that they think he needs to offensively develop a little bit more is power. But I mean, he's literally. 
18, 19. Like he's still he's growing. Still gr- he's growing naturally still. Yeah. <laughs> so they do like scouts all expect that to come. Um, they say he's definitely sound and has the voice and leadership to be an infield captain at short. So he seems like he's, he's, he's coming and he's going to come real quick. Um, (laughs) make an impact. (laughs) Next up is Brendan McKay. He is a 24 year old left-handed pitcher and DH. Oh boy. It's another Shohei Otani. Oh, we saw that. (laughs) (laughs) So, he uh, won the John Olerud Two-Way Player of the Year Award in all three of his years in Louisville. Um, as a junior, he received the Golden Spikes and the Dick Hauser Award before he was drafted. He was signed for $7 million. They're just throwing money around. <laughs> they really are just throwing money. This was the first one. It was weird. All of my other prospect ones, unless it was like a real steal, they didn't list how much they signed for. But like the Rays were like, let's show how much money we spent. Let's just go um, you don't so, know us for money, but look how much we have. So after a few injuries to his lats that kind of held him back, the Rays have pretty much locked him into the mound. He hasn't seen as many at bats. Um, he had I his. Feel like, I mean, you're getting signed. You're like, hey, I'm a pitcher, DH. Let's go to the AL. Yeah, I mean, I mean, move. it doesn't matter now. But yeah, like... <laughs> um, he had his big leg, big leg, big leg, big leg debut. <laughs> he had his big league debut. In June, I lost my place on my page. Um, June, which put him on their postseason roster in 2019, but a shoulder injury took him out of the entire 2020 campaign, unfortunately. Along with 19 other people who he had to play. Um, He wasn't described as having any overpowering pitch, but the command that he has over his pitches and his sequencing really is what kind of makes him stand apart he's got four power pitches um he doesn't favor throwing to one batter or the other because a lot of these i've seen like bat pitchers won't throw like their curveballs to certain batters he gives no shits he said i'm gonna throw it anywhere to anywhere um his fastball dances around the mid 90s cutter in the upper 80s curveball in the low 80s and that brings in a lot of ground balls and his changeup sits in the mid 80s so Probably the biggest thing would be the fastball. Yeah, the biggest. It, it, it was I interesting. Mean, that's weird to think because, like, a 95-mile-an-hour fastball two years ago would be great. But now, now you're like, you have to, you, okay. as a pitcher, as any kind of pitcher, it's moved so much to be 97 yeah. and above. Like, I mean, and that's kind of, like, the big thing going on now in baseball as a whole is it's, like, nobody cares if you can go and throw a strike every time. Mm-hmm. If you're throwing 79, it doesn't matter. You're not going to yeah. get looked at. Yeah, um, it was it's, it's interesting. Like, it's like Major League, like the movie Major yeah. League. Like, doesn't matter if you go and you throw nine and you throw ninety five five feet into the freaking stands, you're gonna get picked up. It he 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 surprised me as being the second prospect. I felt like there were people on this list that maybe were a little had a little bit more potential. I feel, but like I'm not a scout. What do I know? Um, next up is 22-year-old middle infielder Vidal Brujan. He was a low-key international signing in 2014. Do you want to know how much money they spent on him? Let's think. $3 million, $7 million. I'm going to guess like thirteen. Fifteen thousand. What? $15,000. They, they put that in a freaking 
briefcase and yeah. gave it to him. <laughs> in his first season in 2018, he led the minors in runs scored with 112 and finished second in steals with 55. In 2010, he reached double A as a 21-year-old. Um, after an all-star appearance the year before, he was added to their 40-man in November. And he is planned, like they're planning on him being a prolific, was the word they used, base runner and base dealer um, because this boy can run. He also makes very strong contact from both sides of the plate. He has a little bit more power on the left side. That's where you can put it over the fence, but the right side is still deep singles, strong doubles. Um, they feel like he will be most effective from either mid middle infield position, um, but and will most likely end up high in the order because of his ability to run and get himself on base. I love fast people in Major League Baseball, and you're giving me a look. You're getting seven million. I'm getting three million. <laughs> you're getting paid. <laughs> That's funny. That's yeah, funny, I just bought a Scotty. house. Yeah, I'm barely living on rent. When I... <laughs> You're getting paid. <laughs> yeah, he was. He, I'm assuming he's gotten more money since then. <laughs> but yeah, 15k. That's it. Um, next up is Xavier Edwards, a 21 year old, also middle infielder. He skipped out on our baby Vanderbilt to sign with the San Diego Padres for a cool 2.6 milli. Um, he reached class A short season Northwest League and batted 346 with 22 steals across the levels during his debut. He then had a 322 average with 34 steals, which brought him to class A advanced in his first full season. Now the Rays acquired him in the end Hunter Renfro and another player to be named in December. Um, <laughs> sorry. He, uh, Seems to fit a leadoff position, strong speed, good plate discipline, can hit to any field and both sides of the plate. He had an 82.4% success rate for stealing bases in his first two seasons. Um, they don't think he's ever going to offer much home run power, um, but his abilities to connect, walk, and be on base will make him useful. Second base is definitely going to fit in better for his arm, but the thing is that he's above, like he's behind... Bruhan and he's behind Wander Franco. So they're going to try to figure out how to get him up there because the scouts want him up there. It's just finding a spot for him. That sounds more like a Tyler Wade situation where like, hey, he's not really not really somebody that you'll put in as a starter. It was also Tyler Wade's birthday this week. I love you. Happy birthday, my love. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he's somebody that you kind of throw late game, just kind of trying yeah. to get on base, trying to get something to happen there. But like, I feel like also you mentioning it at the front you said that he skipped out on Vanderbilt to go and play I feel like Vanderbilt is a place where you're like it, it depends on who you are if you're like hey do I want to go and get some extra coaching before I go to the league mm-hmm. if you're going to Vanderbilt you can go and play in the league yeah it, that's just, just how like it LSU works. I mean, honestly any of the big SEC schools yeah like it's like it's kind of like an option like I feel like most people would be like hey I think I want to get a little bit more do coaching. I want to have a college education to back up my that major too. league <laughs> but like I feel like because, like, those schools also, LSU or Vanderbilt, like, their coaching is so amazing mm-hmm. that I feel like it's really up to the person of, hey, do I want to get this little extra edge? Yeah. The final prospect is Shane Baz, a 21-year-old right-handed pitcher who looks like he's trying to be Noah Syndergaard. Cut your fucking hair. Uh, <laughs> he was drafted out of high school in Texas. He went to the Pirates for $4.1 million. 
and I'm sure you can figure out how he got over to Tampa Bay. He was pitching. He was pitching so well when the Pirates sent him to Tampa Bay to complete the nightmare. That, is that such was a the Chris Archer trade. trade. So it was what Chris Archer went to the Pirates. The Rays got this guy Glass now. Somebody else probably. I feel like they did. I feel like they did somebody else. Somehow, like, so... somehow the Pirates thought that Chris, I mean, Chris Archer, Archer was it. He was he was good for like two year, years. Two years maybe, and then <laughs> I don't know what happened, but night, <laughs> nightmare situation honestly for them. Um, but Baz is described as a high risk, high reward pitcher. He he really has great stuff, but sometimes he has below average control. He does not know what a ball's going. Uh, um, Kelly. He tossed it. He <laughs> got rid of his two-seamer when he came to Tampa Bay in exchange for a four-seamer that pretty consistently hits triple digits. His swing and miss slider is a power two-pitch and has the potential. He's like been working on developing a average changeup. So he mastered and picked up his four-seam fastball between like the time that he was traded from the Pirates to the Rays which was significantly faster than he was trying super hard to master this two-seamer that just never seemed to work for him. Um, so since coming to the Rays, his numbers have cleaned up significantly, and he's overall had a pretty obvious improvement, which, I mean, makes sense. The Rays and pitching is just exactly where a pitcher wants to be, I think. Yeah. Um, he still has work to do, and they're very aware of that, but he's obviously in the right organization to do that. Um, they would love for him to be a frontliner of the rotation guy, but could also be a shutdown bullpen member. And honestly, they don't want to assign roles to these pitchers. <laughs> yeah. They just want them to pitch until they win. But that's the Rays. Do you have anything else on them? Um, I'm trying to. I was trying to try to figure this out. I mean, I feel like it's so it's very easy and also tough if you're like. Um, a newer player to try to actually get into the Rays organization mm -hmm. because I feel like as we said they're very open to using the depth of their roster yeah. but I feel like that's also an issue because that means that they like the depth that they have right now in their roster yeah and so I feel like maybe if if like things start getting moved around that's better opportunity for these younger people to come up and and, and get their chances but like right now, I feel like it's going to be really tough because they really like where they are mm -hmm. the Rays. I mean, they I are, don't blame they, them. They are comfortable, but I I think that the organization is very good at adapting and trying to do whatever they can to be successful. Yeah. So I think that they are open to whatever will give them that final push to be able to maybe win. <laughs> um, but next week we will be moving on to the National League East which means that we get to start off with, are you ready? The New York Mets. And I'm just gonna, there's a lot of promise. There's a lot of if, 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 if. Yeah, there's, there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of rumors to talk about there. But um, to get any updates on breaking baseball news in general, you can give our Instagram a follow, pinstripe.podcast. But if you just want to chat about baseball theories or anything, you can follow me and give me a chat on Twitter at Lex Semanchek, L-E-X-S-E-M-A-N-C-H-I-K. But, Scotty, do you have anything else to say? I do not have anything. If you could like us and rate us on whatever platform you are listening to us on, that would be great. We will see you next week. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. This has been the... Pinstripe Podcast. 
Bye.